0: Ryder to Zabanajad, the hat-trick! Zabanajad takes it away and scores! What a play by Mika Zabanajad! Threw it in front, deflected, McDavid and shot, scores! Connor McDavid, that's his 21st! Rantanen down the near wing, Rantanen holds, shoots, scores! The moose is loose!
1: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Our Line Starts, fueled by Duncan. I've got Dominic Moore and Brian Boucher joining me for today's podcast. What's up, gentlemen? How's it going?
2: Hey, KT. How you doing? bouché good to see
0: you. Yeah, great to be with you guys. I'm... Uh... I'm in my garage, so I apologize, you guys. Got a nice, uh, well, maybe Dom doesn't have a nice backdrop, but you do, Casey. Utility
2: closet as usual. I'm back in the utility closet. That's my spot. (laughs) Boosh, you got your sticks
1: out there. I see. Have you uh, gotten out to swing a few few clubs in the last couple days? We've got spring-like temperatures in the Northeast.
0: I I haven't yet. I actually hung on tight to winter. I did some skin last week, so I, you know, got that in before it gets too warm. But yeah, I got to dust the. the dust off those sticks right there and get them going. Yeah, it's beautiful here in South <laughs> Jersey, that's for sure.
1: Yep, I hear you. Awesome. Okay, we're turning the corner. We got good weather coming. The vaccines are out. I see the I see the light at the end of the tunnel here. And uh, speaking of light at the end of the tunnel, guys, Mika Zibanejad finally got out of the darkness of not scoring goals for the New York Rangers. Boosh, you had a front row seat uh, last week at Madison Square Garden to witness history. Mika Zibanejad, six points against the Flyers was unbelievable the hat trick the game winning goal against Washington then the following day starting to heat up how important is that going to be for this New York Rangers team
0: huge I mean you think about what he did last year in the second half I mean he was uh, maybe the hottest player in the National Hockey League 41 goals and and every time he had the puck offense was created and you just sense that uh, good things were going to happen and you know this year uh, much different. He seemed to, to lose confidence. I know the fact that he you know, probably didn't get to his training regimen like he had in years past due to, uh, due to COVID and, and wasn't able to, to, to put the work in maybe that he wanted to. He was down 10 or 15 pounds from, from what we understand. And then he got COVID during training camp. So that set him back. Um, you know, it, that this Ranger team, I think it, it relies heavily, obviously, on Artemi Panarin. But, you know, make no mistake, that top line center with Mika Zibanejad creates a top six that I think is, is, a, is a formidable top six in, in the National Hockey League. And when he's not scoring, it's a big hole in their lineup. Now, having said that, I think his game started to really um, make strides in the last couple of weeks. The chances have been there. Yeah, he's missed them, and you could tell that there was a lack of confidence at times, but his legs seemed to be there. He was, he was on pucks. His, uh, his jump was there. It, you know, there was just a lot more being created by Zibanejad getting in on the four check, and you just had a sense that, you know, this was about to break out. I don't think anybody would have anticipated a six-point period, but for the New York Rangers, a great sign that he's scoring, and the hope is that this will catapult him here in the second half.
2: Yeah, for, for me, I mean, it's, it's just been a weird year um, for a lot of people. Um, as we all know, there's so many extenuating circumstances, the way the season started. Bush, Bush you, met, you referenced, maybe his preparation just wasn't the same as what it was. And that was the, the big question in New York. They're trying to figure out how to get him going. And But if you look around the league, like there's, there's other guys that have been having the same problem. I mean, you look at a guy like Adam Henrique in Anaheim, led their team in scoring last year, really, really slow start to the point where he was scratched, you know, healthy scratch, multiple games in a row. And you've got guys like Evgeny Malkin who had an extremely slow start to the season. You know, Mika was not alone in that. And I give a little bit of credit to David Quinn for kind of sticking with him throughout that, trying to, you know, maintain a bit of positivity. It was, it was hard because in, in New York with the expectations – on Mika is, as you said, one of the best players in the entire league last season. Um, the spotlight of New York City. I think that just kind of like snowballed on him. And when he had his slow start, all of a sudden he starts to feel that pressure. And then he can't even get a one-timer off. And, you know, he starts to play tentatively. You could see it on his face. Um, just the confidence wasn't there. His eyes were down. You know, you could see it in between whistles on the bench. And then, you know, you look at the the game-winning goal he he orchestrates against Washington, and he's a physical force. He just shoves Brendan Dillon off the puck, takes it, and shelves it. I mean, that is an assertive, confident guy, and I couldn't be happier for him that he's been able to come through that. And that's – to me, that's the mark of a great player is everyone, you know, everyone has a down moment, but it's how you respond to that, how you come through that that I think proves your your greatness. and really happy for Mika that he's found his game.
1: When you guys see a player like this break out of a slump, I mean, take me back to the days when you guys played and you maybe had a player on your team who was going through a similar situation. What does it do for the team when they do finally break through? And especially a player like Mika Zabanajad, who's relied on heavily, Don, you talk about the pressure that's on him every single night. What is it like now for this team? Is this a turning point for the New York Rangers having him going?
2: Well, I think it can be. You know, they're they're still a team that the results have been erratic. You know, regardless of obviously, Mika will be a huge help, and as Bush mentioned, him playing at a at a high level has a trickle down effect throughout the lineup. So, they're certainly hoping that it. It's a very competitive division, though, and you have to bring your A game every night. You know, they've had incredible results where they route Philly, but you know, then they can go out and just be a a different team, you know, a day or two later. That's a bit of the youth factor. Um, You know, thinking about guys that have been in similar situations in the past, you know, Boosh, I think of a guy like Rick Nash. When I was in New York, he was a guy that had a ton of expectations on him to, to be a scorer. And he went for a long stretch with really without producing any goals. He ended up being taken off the power play, which makes it even harder you know, in the coaching staff's perspective, they were trying to kind of like lower his expectations, but sometimes a goal in the power play is what gets you going. And these scores, you know, they, there's a significant amount of pressure there. And Nasher's the kind of guy though, that it, he would get one, then he would score, you know, in bunches, he would get 10 in the next five games or, you know, 10 in the next seven games. And that's just the way it was for him. Yeah. I mean, so, I think that all will score those kind of streaks and flashes. I, I, and I can't recall
0: is. in my career, KT or Dom, uh, a player having a drought kind of like that. I mean, when you consider the 41 goals he had last year, the chances he was getting, and Dom made reference to the, the missed shots. I mean, the one-timers that he was missing. I mean, it was just, it was so noticeable. It almost made you wonder if there was an injury there that, you know, we weren't aware of, or maybe it's just a, a complete lack of confidence. But, uh, you know, I will say the one thing, just in my career, like, you know, it, it, the way when I played in, there were times when things didn't go my way. The importance of sticking to uh, your process and your preparation is so key. I mean, I think if you just, it, it, I know the game is a result oriented business, and that's what we look at. That's what fans look at. They want goals, they want production. But, you know, individually, you have to make sure that you're doing the right things and make, you know, and if he was behind the eight ball with his training and then having COVID and all that, making sure that he gets up to speed right and and I think you can see that the work was put in because as Don referenced that battle that he won against Washington against a, you know a heavy defenseman and Brendan Dillon and scoring and you can see the, the the jump in his leg clearly he's been putting the work in and now you're starting to see him starting around into form can he continue it uh, I don't know it's a tough division I'm not sure where the Rangers go from here they're, they're young guys clearly uh, at times seem overwhelmed. Uh, guys like Lafreniere and Kako, it's, it's still a, a fast league for them. And, and when I look at their team, there's not a ton of depth scoring. I know Hedl shows at times. I think he's a good player, and I think he's ready to a bust out at any moment. But those, those two young wingers, I think, are still in their growing phases. And the thing is that they're a top-six team. And if Jad simply is not producing, I don't know that they have enough offense uh, to compete with some of these top-four teams in the East.
1: Yeah, and some of the top teams in the East right now are also dealing with their own bit of adversity. You guys, you look at the New York Islanders, one of the best teams in the league this season. They've been so fun to watch. They are led by their captain, Anders Lee, who every single night gives it 110%. And unfortunately, he's now out. A season-ending injury with a ACL. Uh, this is just devastating for the Islanders, but they do have a lot of depth. Can they still be a playoff team without their captain in the lineup, Dom? I mean, is this a team that can rally and win the East
2: I think they can. And the reason is Barry Trotz. Uh, I just think Barry Trotz is the best coach in the NHL right now. There's a lot of great coaches, but I think what he's been able to do um, with the Islanders is just incredible. Obviously they lose John Tavares and then they bring in Barry Trotz and they're a better team than they were. I mean, I think that speaks volumes about Trotz Um, and they're, they're a true team. They get production from their fourth line. They get production from these young guys like Oliver Wallstrom on their third line. You know, I just think that Barry Trotz is the glue that holds that team together, regardless of who's in or out. Having said that, I think we're looking at a situation where Lou Lamorello knows that he does need to add something. And with Lee out, he has the ability to do that with the cap space. Mm-hmm. Um, the normally very secretive Lou Lamorello was actually pretty open about it. He said that we are definitely looking for a scoring winger. Um, And so I think when Lou is that open about it, you can probably count on something happening. Now this season, it's a lot, a lot harder to kind of make trades than it used to be um, with the COVID protocols and all that. So, but I would expect them to do something. There's guys like Ricard Raquel in Anaheim that, that are available you might see someone like him but you know there's a lot of teams that are interested in him so we'll see how that plays out but but Boosh I just I think that the Islanders team uh, they're contender in my book even without Lee.
0: Yeah I would agree with that I'm sorry I lost you guys there for a second I had a little uh, freeze problem but. Um,
1: <laughs> gotta get the Wi-Fi fixed there in your garage Boosh let's go.
0: <laughs> I don't know what happened there yeah um, I think it's a big hole though Dom I mean you know, who fills in there, right? I mean, with, I don't know if you mentioned if there was uh, trade possibilities. I think this is a hole that has to be addressed. I mean, if this is not like you're out six weeks and you expect them to have back for playoffs, uh, a big body that plays in those hard areas. And I know Barzell is a dynamic player on that top line with Jordan Eberle on his right side, but I feel like Anders Lee is such an important part to that that, uh, top six, to that top line just because of the way he plays. And you look at the division and you think of Washington and, and how big and strong their defense is, that's, that's going to be a tough team to beat if you don't have that, that muscle there. I know, I think they played Komarov there the last game on that top line. I don't, I don't think that that's a long-term answer. You put one of the young kids, maybe a guy like Wallstrom or something like that, You know, I would think that Barry Trotz would be less inclined to do something like that. So uh, I think they have a tremendous team. I think their defense is very good. Uh, the, the structure that they play with allows their goaltenders to be factors in every single game uh, because it's a predictable game for those goaltenders. They're not, they're not taxed with having to face a plus chances on a nightly basis. Um, and that's, and that's a positive. So their team is very predictable in that sense. But when it comes down to the nitty gritty, winning a best of seven series, I, I feel like this could be a, a, a big time hole for the honors. I wouldn't be surprised if Lou Lamarillo addresses it just because he knows that it's a special year, a year that, you know, if you can just get by, uh, that there's an opportunity when you get to that final four to maybe really make a make a run for this. Um big loss. I mean I mean he's a heck of a player, heck of a captain. Um, you know, we'll see what they do as far as, as as addressing this need.
2: They did they did make that move last year trading a first rounder for Pajot, who ended up being a really good fit for them. So he's willing to do it. But I think Lou is also very mindful of that team chemistry element. I think he feels like that is most important thing at the end of the day. So I think it really will have to be the right fit. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
0: And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the
1: action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Yeah, and you look at that East division. I mean, it's so tight. And by the way, the trade deadline coming up April 12th. that will be here before we know it. But you look at the East, you mentioned the Washington Capitals. They get Tom Wilson back in the lineup, which is a humongous boost. Ovi looks like he's just on fire right now scoring goals and putting up big numbers for the Capitals and then you look at the Penguins they've also been playing well they did just lose Evgeny Malkin but um, things are looking good in Pittsburgh so you know that's that's a tough division in the east and also so too is the north guys I want to talk about the tight races in the north (laughs) and look at the north division odds presented by points bet you've got the Toronto Maple Leafs leading the way at minus 200 Edmonton though I mean they are right on their heels Maple Leafs are slumping a little bit have to wonder I mean Bush, can the Edmonton Oilers or perhaps another team in that north challenge the Toronto Maple Leafs
0: I think they can I think to me the Edmonton Oilers are a team that's uh really found their groove um that's a team that I think can, can challenge they, you talk about a top six the, the the Oilers certainly have it I don't know if they have the depth scoring I don't know if they even need the depth scoring when you have guys like McDavid and Dreisaitl uh leading the charge but to me, since Mike Smith uh, has come back and been healthy, it really seems to have settled down uh, this Oiler team. And and I don't want to make it all about goaltending, but he's a veteran guy who's been around a long time. He played for uh, Dave Tippett uh, in the past, so there's a there's a familiarity there. And I think Poskunum was overwhelmed, truthfully, to be playing that many games consecutively. And I think it's just a a real common force to have a guy like Mike Smith there. I think the Edmonton Oilers are a team that's starting to play to their identity a little bit. And uh, that could be a team that makes a push. Winnipeg has been solid as well. Um, It's surprising to me, actually, the Winnipeg Jets, how well they've played uh, big picture. Uh, I don't know if anybody else is going to challenge in that division. Um, And for Toronto, yeah, they've hit a bump in the road. I think Matthew's injury is more significant than we probably think. I think that's affected his play. Freddie Anderson seems to be doing, dealing with something right now, and, and his play has dipped as well. Uh, it could also be just the fact, I don't know, Don, what you think, but, you know, sometimes when you get out to a comfortable lead, you know, subconsciously the foot, you know, is taking off the gas a little bit. Maybe the urgency is not there on a nightly basis, and maybe this is a wake-up call that Toronto needs to kind of kick-start them. But, uh, you know, they certainly haven't been the same team that we saw in the first, say, 10, 15 games.
1: Yeah, you also become the team that everybody's gunning for, right? I mean, everybody wants mm-hmm. to beat the Leafs in that division because they were such a great team right out of the gate and they were playing well and for all those great reasons, Boosh. You look at a team, though, you know, the Canucks have been red hot. But also, I want to talk about Daryl Sutter's uh, Calgary Flames right now. Bush, you played for Daryl Sutter. You know what he's all about. How much is his impact going to be felt in this team moving forward in the chances of trying to get them into a playoff position?
0: Yeah, it is an attention grabber for sure. He's, uh, you know, you have coaches that are player coaches and then you have guys that are uh, the opposite. And I think Daryl, who has played before, um, he understands, yeah, he understands the player's needs, but but there's also an element of accountability there in the way he approaches things. And he wants it done a certain way. He wants his teams to be tough to play against. He wants his teams to defend hard. Uh, and he expects a lot out of, out of his best players. And I think that's what's been missing in Calgary now for the last little bit. And I think it's going to, you know, it, it, there's two ways that this can go. It either can wake up guys like a Johnny Gaudreau, Sean Monaghan to really pick their game up uh, and lead the charge uh, because they are leaders on this team. Or they can kind of wilter and go away. And, and I don't think there's any any in between Um, the one key in all of this is that Mark Giordano was a guy that played for Daryl Sutter before. He knows exactly what Daryl is all about. He can be a good go-between between between the players who have never seen this before and a guy that has been there before. And I think Giordano is a terrific captain. I think he's a terrific leader. And I think he's going to be a way to kind of like help soften maybe the message a little bit, but also make these guys understand that there has to be much better for Calgary. That's a team. Like when I say Winnipeg, I'm surprised big picture where they are. That's where I expected Calgary to be uh, going into this season.
1: Well, you look at the Calgary Flames, I mean, they're only four points back of Winnipeg. And, you know, they do have a lot of hope. They have a lot of promise. I mean, Dom, this North division has been a little tricky lately to figure out because it looked like all four (laughs) teams were kind of set for the whole first half of and, and half plus of the season. Now you're starting to see some other teams creeping in and maybe a shift of momentum with the top teams in the North.
2: I mean, this North Division has been impossible to predict. I mean, you've got okay. Let's let's take some of the results already. You've got Edmonton that's seven and zero against Ottawa. They've just routed them. I think McDavid and Dryside will have like sixty points collectively against Ottawa alone. And then the Leafs come in and they sweep Edmonton three straight games. McDavid doesn't have a point. And then the Leafs go out and lose to Ottawa. So it just doesn't make any sense. Um, Bush referenced a lot of kind of these ups and downs that the teams are going through. I think a lot of guys are potentially playing with injuries that are more significant than we realize right now. For me, the Leafs goaltending is the number one question. They they're, they're one in six, um, you know, in this last stretch, that's only better than Buffalo in the entire league in terms of record, but they've outchanced their opponents for a lot of those games. So it, they've got to write that goaltending ship in Toronto, but I still think, you know, Edmonton's probably going to be the team to beat. Um, they're starting to hit their stride. Bush referenced Mike Smith. I think not only is he playing well, but the way he moves the puck for Edmonton, he's the best puck moving goalie in the league. He's like having a, another, def, you know, puck moving defenseman back there to get the puck into the hands of guys like McDavid and Dreisaitl. He's a real asset. So, I would expect if something's predictable that they're going to continue to rise to the top.
1: Are any of these teams, though, in the North a serious cup contender? We know who the teams throughout the league are that are actually really going to vie for the Stanley Cup. Do you see anybody in the North being a legit Stanley Cup contender?
0: Well, I would say typically no, KT, but considering the year that we're in uh, and how crazy it is and who knows with covid COVID issues that can pop up and what your lineup could look like come we'll call it the final four because I don't think it's called the conference final this year who knows I yeah. mean it, it, it it's really hard to predict I, I would think that um if you're talking about you know say say you have to play uh and I'm not sure how it shakes out in the final four but like say you have to play uh the winner of Vegas or Colorado in the conference final i think that's a tough a tough matchup uh against any of the the canadian teams uh the northern teams um you know but if you get if you get perhaps uh you know uh maybe you get uh you know a team like in the eastern division maybe you get a banged up washington club or a banged up pittsburgh team that gets through uh, perhaps i mean there's a chance that you get to the final i mean i think that uh Edmonton has made strides. I agree with Dom. I think for Toronto, goaltending is a huge issue. And if you think of Freddie Anderson, he's had this stigma that he hasn't been able to win the big game. And in the key moment, he's he's continually faltered. And that will follow him until he finds a way to get through that. But if, say, he does get through that, and he starts to win in that first round and and, and it snowballs in that direction, I think Toronto is a very good team. And if Matthews can get healthy and get back to his scoring uh, that he did before I think a key part for the Maple Leafs to me is a guy like Nylander uh, good in the regular season I don't know if he has what it takes uh, in the playoffs to be the, the, uh, a guy that you can count upon I mean he is a, an element to his game that seems to be perimeter at times and I don't know that that translates uh, come playoff time but if he can figure it out maybe Toronto is for real so I'm not ready to ride any of these northern teams write uh, r- them off uh, by any stretch because it's just too crazy a year to predict things
2: yeah I, I would I would agree in terms of the predictability because you have to remember there's so many factors that play into it. yeah, I think the North Division isn't playing playoff style hockey now with Daryl Sutter coming in, I think there's another team that is playing that more kind of like give nothing up defensive style. I think that actually will be good for those top teams that, you know, I I still don't think Calgary is going to make up that ground to get in, but I think it'll be good for those teams like Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Toronto to play a team that's playing that style of game um, because the North right now is, is really just a shootout every night. But let's say like Bush says in the, in the conference finals, you have a a well-rested North team against a real banged up East team. That's been through the gauntlet in the first two rounds. Well, we're talking about a completely different uh perspective at that point so the predictability this year is is just out the window we have
0: no idea what's going to happen
1: <laughs> oh sorry i was on mute there guys i was trying to block <laughs> out the new york city sirens and i realized i was on mute so man we're just all over the place here with this our <laughs> podcast this week but uh we'll get it together you'd think after a year of doing zooms we know what we we're doing but l- l- let's talk about the the predictability factor for the central division, because this division to me is very fascinating to watch, including the other Florida team, the Florida Panthers. I mean, did the Florida plant Panthers have enough firepower and juice to dethrone the Tampa Bay lightning for the best team in Florida right now, guys?
2: I don't think so. I mean, I'm amazed at where they are already. I mean, I, I just, I looked at their lineup before the season started and there's a, there's a lot of names that you just, hey, these guys are unproven, guys like Carter Verhege and, you know, he played a fourth-line grinding role with Tampa. But then you, you take him out of that kind of grinding role where he's playing, you know, 11 minutes a night, and and you give him opportunity. All of a sudden, he starts to find a rhythm, and he's producing really well in Florida. Um uh, you know, I just think Joel Quenville is um, the real deal. Obviously, his his Hall of Fame track record speaks for itself, and you can never underestimate the job that a good coach can do, uh, even with a lineup that maybe you don't think stacks up. I mean, we already talked about Barry Trots, They lose to Baris, and all of a sudden, they're a better team when Barry Trotz comes in. I think Joel Quenville is the reason for Florida's success, but when you look at Tampa – I mean, this this team with without Nikita Kucherov is still dominating the league. So, Boosh, I think they're in
0: tough against those guys. I, I agree with you, Dom, on that one. And I think you know, going into this season, the Central Division. I, I you know, you thought Tampa was going to run away uh, and maybe go fifty and six on the season. Is <laughs> when I what, what I thought when I looked at, at this at, at the start of the season. Uh, I thought Carolina would be would be good as well, and, and they'd have uh, and they're right there. Um, Florida is surprising, but when you really look back on it, you say, boy, if there's ever a division where uh, maybe you could um, make some strides, it would be in this division. I think this is the one where there was some optimism. If you were a team that was on that bubble, if you were on the cusp, uh, to have some belief that maybe this could be the year that we, you know, make a run deep into the playoffs. And, you know, the hope is to avoid uh, Tampa in the first round, obviously. Uh, It was this division. And so I think Florida in that regard, give them full credit. I mean, guys that have come in and done a a fantastic. Barkov's been great. Huberto has been great. Um, You know, and even when Bobrovsky was struggling, uh, Drieger did a fantastic job in there and and really uh, providing solid goaltending and and, you know, Ekblad has taken another, another step in his career. At 25 years old, you know, this guy seems like he's been around forever. But really, this guy is really heading into the prime of his career. And we're starting to see what I think a lot of people envision when, when he was drafted first overall. And, you know, the other thing, too, you mentioned Carter Verhage, a great story. You know, pushed down the lineup in Tampa, no opportunity, gets the opportunity in Florida. That's what it's all about. We saw Jonathan Marshall do the same type of thing. Riley Smith do it in Vegas when they left Florida. Um, But the thing that really uh, stands out to me, you think back to the start of the season, all the, you know, the kerfuffle about uh, Keith Yandel and was he going to be scratched? And I wonder how much of that had a role inside that locker room and galvanizing this team and getting a guy that is so well-liked inside that room to play hard for one another. And to, to, you know, that's an attention grabber, a guy that's on the cusp of breaking an NHL record and here they are. They're going to gonna mess with him. Whether it came from upstairs in Bill Zito's office or from Joel Quenville, it came from somewhere. Something was happening there where they were trying to get inside the heads of a group that may have been a little bit too comfortable, for no reason to be comfortable, other than the fact that they play in South Florida and the weather's nice. I mean, this has not been a team that's accomplished anything, you know. And, you know, they do that. And how, how far they're willing to go with it, were they really going to scratch them? I don't really know. We'll never know. But Keith Yandel handled it perfectly. I think the team responded and handled it perfectly. When you look at their power play, it's been very solid. Yandel feeding Aaron Eckblad. I mean, it's been, a, it's been a top power play in the National Hockey League and uh, a reason for their success. And they're in a division, like I said, where you go into it, and you're like, this division gives us hope. This is not the Eastern Division where there's five teams that you could say are supposed to be playoff teams. I looked at one, two teams, Tampa and Carolina after that, it was, it was a, a crab shoot.
1: <laughs> and now we're all surprised <laughs> looking at who else is a co- contender in that central. I mean, Columbus is inching up now on Chicago. Of course, Chicago, we've been talking about all season long. We'll see if they can sustain it. But, uh, Yeah, Central is an interesting conversation. No question about that, guys. Uh, Let's get to the cold brew check fueled by Duncan. Golden Knights and Avalanche, guys, both two of the top teams out West, both hitting their stride. Which team will keep it going in the second half and win the West? Dom, how about you kick us off?
2: Uh, For me, it's the Avs. I mean, the Avs are a team that I just feel like they play an incredible possession game. You look at the, the way that Joe Sakic has built that team. You've got Incredible puck-moving defenseman on the back end. You know they acquired Devon Taves, who extremely underrated player. Um, they they have guys like Bo Byram that coming in who's playing extremely well, really mobile. D. Not even mentioning you know Samuel Gerard and, and Kale McCarr. Um, A lot of these guys have been out of the lineup with injuries throughout much of this season, and they're still finding a way to stay right at the very top uh, or close to the top of that division. <laughs> um mckinnon was out for a few games i mean they're starting to get healthy again i think that if you look at the the remaining games of the schedule i think colorado has the the weakest strength of schedule down the stretch so uh to me the, the abs are the team to beat although the one x factor is the goaltending you compare the goaltending between the avalanche and, and vegas i think you got to give the edge to vegas
0: I'm going to make my best uh, argument here for the Vegas Golden Knights and I agree with everything that Dom said and I, I think uh Colorado's a scary team right now they're starting to find their game. Uh, they're filling the net uh, much like we probably anticipated to start to start the year. Um, but to me, Vegas has been there before. They've been to the finals. I know they didn't win back in 2018, but this is a group that uh, still has a, a large part of that group that, that has gone deep into the playoffs. And, you know, maybe the lack of experience on, on Colorado's end, on the back end, guys like Makar, uh, guys like Byram, uh, you know, even Sam Gerrard. I mean, these these are guys that still may have to go through another layer to get to that next level. The expectations are super high on Colorado and then you add in the fact that you know you've got two goaltenders that you can play in Vegas that I think uh, provide an opportunity for Vegas to be the team that when it comes to a best of seven series uh, sometimes it boils down to goaltending and that may be the, uh, the final deciding factor um, I, I mean look I, I'm trying my best to, to give Vegas the push <laughs> but uh, I think when you go down, go down the middle Colorado has the advantage. There's no doubt about it. When Chandler Steven is your number one center in Vegas, I think most people would say that is a question mark. And I'm not, it's no slight on Chandler Stevenson. I think he's a, a, a good player. But I don't know that he matches up uh, like the number one center in Colorado. You know, so it, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Maybe the experience – and uh, a little bit of veteran leadership pays off for Vegas in the, in the end and their goaltending. The fact that they've got two guys, you can insert them at any moment and they can win you a hockey game and, and can win you a series as well.
1: All right, that was the cold brew check fueled by Duncan this season. Be sure to grab a cold brew for game time because where there's hockey, there's Duncan. And Bush, I know secretly you'd love to be back in Vegas for a cup final. That was one of the fun, more fun tricks oh, yeah. we've had in our career, covering the Stanley Cup final in Vegas. Not too bad. I think we lost Jonesy for a couple days, and so we got him back. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I would love a repeat performance of Vegas. Let's do it again.
1: That's right. Let's hope we're all out on the road and uh, things start to continue to move in positive direction here. Well, uh, Boosh, Dom, great to be with you guys. Great conversation as always. And thank you everyone for listening. We'll see you next time on the next edition of Our Line Starts Fueled by Duncan. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile, and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home, yes, cool, or attending one live, no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at Cox.com/internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability, as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H twenty twenty three. Results may vary. Not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply.